I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Andy J Podcast. Hey, welcome to the very latest Andy J podcast. I hope you're having a great week and whatever you're doing, you're enjoying yourself. Now, we try and bring you the very best guests and the biggest conversations. And this one is a very special one this week. As you know, a lot of our chats, they sort of, well, they turn into something that people haven't had before and remarkable big moments of conversation. And we have quite a few of those today with our very special guest. It is, of course, singer-songwriter James Arthur. He won The X Factor back in 2012, the ninth series, in fact. He has sold over 30 million records worldwide and counting. He has a new album out. It'll all make sense in the end. He's just performed a stripped-back concert at the Royal Albert Hall. And one of his tracks, Say You Won't Let Go, has had nearly two billion streams on Spotify. Utterly incredible figures. But that doesn't really tell the story of the individual. He is an incredible man, and he's a man who has struggled, struggled a lot with success, with fame, with life, with rejection. He had a troubled childhood. He had so many different things happen to him that led him to be, well, quite a confused young man. He has stepped out into adulthood and he's pushed back against success and against fame and he's continued to set himself hurdles to leap over. And my goodness, has he leapt over them. James is a fascinating guy and a lot of today's conversation is quite deep and quite serious and quite heavy, but I'm pleased to say there's also a lot of light and laughter and joy in there, especially at the end where we have a right old giggle. And this is a little bit like last week's conversation with the author Matt Haig. This is one that I think is going to be wherever you're at in your world, whether you're feeling stable and happy and positive and calm and, and no challenges whatsoever. It's just a great, interesting listen with a fascinating guy who's lived an incredible life. If, however, you're someone that has some darkness, has some shadows, has struggled and do struggle from time to time, this is a conversation which I think will be useful and valuable and helpful, and I hope so. Of course, I continue to always preach that if you are struggling then please reach out, please get help. In the UK, of course, there's the Samaritans and many other organisations which you can find easily by Googling. And if you're one of our many, many worldwide listeners, I'm confident that there are plenty of support networks across the world. But the key thing, really, and this is something that everyone I speak to that has had challenges, the key thing, really, that, that, that seems to be the consistent message from all of them is to speak talk to somebody be it a professional or a friend or a parent or a family member just share what you're going through with somebody because even just a basic conversation i'm having a rough day mate kind of thing can start helping you to feel better so please don't keep it to yourself please don't suffer in silence now look james he is a really He's a remarkable man. He's a remarkable man. And it's not just his achievements that set out in terms of his professional achievements. It's not just those that set him on this path of, of extraordinary life. I think you're going to really like this chat. I really liked it. And I'm chuffed to bits that you have uh, chosen us for your listening pleasure today. 
please do check out our massive back catalogue of Celebrity Conversation. We have some incredible, incredible stars in our history, so do dive into the other 85-odd episodes that we've had so far, and there's many, many, many more massive names to come. Just this year, in fact, never mind what we have planned for 2022. Anyway, enough from me. Here is James Arthur. The Andy J Podcast. I am very, very pleased to welcome this week's extremely special guest. With his fourth album out now, he's a man who's had billions of Spotify listens. He sold over 30 million records. He even has his own Twitter emoji, but the path hasn't been as easy as it might sound. I'm very pleased to welcome Mr. James Arthur. How are you doing, James? Hello, yeah, very good, thank you. James, How are you doing? I'm good, man. It's lovely to talk to you. You must, I mean, you've done loads of conversations over the years. You've been in the public eye for a long, long time now. Does it ever get just a little bit samey when you hear 30 million records, billions of streams and all that? Does that just kind of wash over you now? Um, I mean, that part never gets old. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. That's great to hear. Um, yeah, and it's inspiring to think that... Uh, I've done that. I, I suppose I'm not really one to dwell on those kind of things. I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I remain pretty driven to, um, to succeed, you know, to, to achieve more, I suppose, or to reach more people. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it feels good. I mean, yeah, it's, um, you know, there's aspects of, of the business that, that get a little bit, um, samey, of course, but, uh, I love what I do. So it, it all comes with, with the territory, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Now, I mean, James, look, I want to I want to talk about the new album. I want to talk about the future and plans and so on. But in order for us to get a sort of full understanding of you and the character that you are, and you've been on record talking about a lot of important things. And I think, you know, yeah. with this show, we do like to we, we do like to delve into someone's psychology and their past and, and their history and what, mm. what what has shaped them. And of course, we've got to talk about X Factor, which you won in 2012. But are you happy yeah. for us to kind of bring it back to even before then and just kind of talk about your journey? Are you comfortable with that? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm very, very comfortable with it. Yeah, it's all good. Brilliant. I've, I mean, I've heard you speak very openly with other people, but that we haven't made friends yet, so you might not be called cool yeah. to me. So, yeah. No, no, <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate you asking. I appreciate you asking, yeah. No, no, it's, it's all good. I'm, um, I'm always very happy to raise any sort of awareness around... Uh, around mental health subjects. So, yeah, definitely. Well, this is, this is something that has been quite clear on record. You know, you don't need to do an easy Google search or be a massive fan of yours to know that it's it's something that's been circling around you for some time now, which is this, you've been having sort of therapy for unresolved childhood trauma. Now, firstly, I want to ask what that is. And secondly, I'd like to talk about your childhood, if that's all right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean... Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been having a little little bits of therapy. Uh, or I started doing that in, in around 2020, at the beginning of 2020, just because I'd um, sort of hit a bit of a wall, to be honest. And um, it started out with with doing little, little bits of um, cognitive behavioural therapy, um, just to help with anxiety. And um, yeah, to, it, that doing that uncovered a few uh, bits of sort of hardwiring that stemmed back to my childhood. Um, so kind of the reasons why I was setting myself up to fail in certain situations or, or having anxiety, um, the triggers attached to that were, yeah, it, it was it was clear to, to the therapist that um, they were from maybe, maybe feeling 
maybe alienated when I was younger or, or feeling um, or, or a bit of like ADHD and things. I didn't realize I, I suffered from that. Um, and and that was, you know, part of why I maybe felt a little bit of an outcast at times. Um, I, I went, I spent a little bit of time in foster care, um, which, uh, yeah, obviously comes with, uh, there's residue left over from that, I suppose, feeling like I don't belong and things like that. So, um, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, I guess there was a few things when I was a kid that kind of um, gave me a twenty-year hangover, if you like. Yeah, I mean, we sort of know. I think, I think your your relationship with your mum is solid now. But you know, when you were a child, yeah. as, as as I understand it, and please correct me, it's your story, not mine. Mm. You know, yeah. when you were very young, you, your your mum divorced, and then she got in another relationship. You moved, I believe, it was to Bahrain. Um, yeah, which you absolutely loved, but of course there were other kids in the equation now, new marriage and so on. That came to a conclusion, and you left a place that you were you were happy. Yeah, yeah, I, I was, yeah, and um, you know, I, yeah, it was it was just a weird time, and 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 to to be fair, you know, I went, I sort of went down a bit of a a negative path. I think I um was really really sad too after after like. Uh, when my, when my mum and my stepdad got divorced, it really it was it was tough for me because he was um, uh, I suppose he was a bit of a, a male role model. Um, uh, well, yeah, just having a, a, I live in a house full of girls, so it was like uh, the one uh, he was the one guy that was around, I suppose. And uh, a lot changed in a short space of time, basically in the within the formative years of my life. So, um, kind of was going back to school in the UK, which is was was. Uh, yeah, it was hard. It was tough for me at first because last time I'd been in, in England, I'd been going to a primary school and it was a lot different. You know, it was a t- one of them schools where you get your head flushed down the toilet on the first day. And it was like, um, I'd kind of gone from living in the Middle East for a couple of years where the classrooms were quite small and, um, you know, I'd made loads of friends and stuff. And, um, yeah, so I was going to this, I was going to this uh, secondary school in England and, we were living in a two-bedroom house, four kids. Um, uh, Ronnie, my mum's um, uh, husband at the time, or ex-husband, had left and abandoned two of his kids. So it was a bit of a, yeah, it was just all a bit of a, a, a mad one. And my mum, bless her, was kind of going through a bit of a breakdown and trying to deal with all this. And yeah, I was misbehaving at school, and um, my mum had no help. So I've got I've got a lot of compassion looking back from my mum. I resented her for a bit for like kicking me out the odd time, but I mean, if I was her at that time, I would have definitely done the same. So I was, I was, um, I was a, a little, um, a little terror, to be fair. So um, yeah, but I think I was just sort of rebelling against all the stuff that was going on, and I didn't have like that male uh, figure around. You know, my dad, uh, my 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 real dad, and my mum obviously divorced when I was a lot younger. Uh, and it wasn't that easy to just kind of go over to his house as much as he wanted to be involved. You know, there was a lot of um, red tape and stuff, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, it was just it was just a confusing time for me as a kid. I was very, uh, I just felt a bit lost, I suppose. And um, yeah, my mum my had kicked me out the odd time, quite rightly, and then I'd sort of have to figure it out. And that kind of continued for quite a few years after that whole um you know that whole drama, if you like. Yeah. Um, and so I was sort of trying to find my place in the world for for a little while. I mean, it's it's quite easy to understand 
why you had such a challenging time. I mean, going to secondary school anyway, never mind the change of country, the change of dynamics at home and all the rest of it. Going to secondary school for, for, for a young man, for a young boy can be really confusing anyway. You've just been in a nice, cosy little space where, you know, your, your education is, is effectively kindness and cuddles. Do you know what I mean? And then, and then yeah. suddenly you fall into this big bad world where the, you're the youngest, you're the bottom of the food chain in terms of the children there. There's loads of them. You don't know many of the other faces in the room. This is if you'd just been going through the education system in the UK, never mind yeah. coming back from an environment where you were thriving and enjoying and happy. I can completely yeah. appreciate why it must have been really surreal. I mean, you sort of joked about having your head flushed down to the toilet on the first day and so on. Did, did that actually happen? Is that something that really happened? Oh, to yeah, you? yeah. I, de- I definitely got beat up on a little bit when I first came back because I had sort of, so I'd lived in England till the age of nine, and then um, so I so I was used to the culture. I come from Red, uh, the northeast; it's a pretty tough place, you know. Um, and then having we went to Bahrain uh, until I was about twelve, I think I was. And w- me and my sister, my sister developed a little bit of a different accent, um, it c- kind of kind of a more like standard RP English English accent, just from being out there and. I guess trying to be understood by some some of the the locals and stuff like that, and so we we kind of came back with this little this little tinge to our accent. You so like, sounded posh, wouldn't you? You'd have been the posh kids. Well, well, well yeah, I guess to, well to, to to people from my town, posh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was it wasn't posh, but it, to, to anyone that did, you know, anyone that sounded different um, was it was a threat to I guess the kids at that school, and um, yeah, it was just sort of like I was we were different, so. Um, and, and we'd like, we were a little bit ahead because we'd been learning French before some of them and things like that. So, you know, we, 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 we were threatening to uh, some of the kids, I suppose. And yeah, I did. I, I, I did. Like the first got a bit bullied and then I found my place as the class clown. And then all of a sudden I was, I was like, I was all right with everyone. Because um, so you had to prove yourself. You have to prove that you're tough and that you're not going to let people take the piss out of you sort of thing. So I took the mick out of you, sorry. Um so yeah, yeah, that that definitely. I mean, it was it was a particularly rough school, um, for sure. Yeah, you had to um, you had to sort of be alert, which wasn't the case going to school in Bahrain. Like I said, it was small classrooms and um, it was multicultural, and um, yeah, it was uh, you know the education was more focused and stuff. So it's definitely different. Well, sometimes for an individual, education is about survival in school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do believe that. I think it's yeah, it's just getting by. Like I said, I certainly found my my place by getting kicked out of the classrooms and stuff, which obviously again had a knock on effect at home. And my mum was like, "Oh God, this kid. Honestly, it's the last thing I need." Um, but see, I was trying. I guess I was trying to be heard, or I was trying to. Um, I wasn't feeling uh, like I, I I belonged at home. I suppose. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of came out at school. I was trying to get attention there, maybe. It certainly sounds like, a, yeah, you were fighting for attention. I mean, were you were you literally fighting? Were you violent when you were a little one? Um, I did. I did get angry. Yeah, I did get angry. I did um, lash out sometimes. So I, I was never sort of violent to, to, towards my sisters or anything like that. There, you know. But at school, yeah, I mean, I got in a lot of scrapes and stuff. Um, uh. Yeah, but again, you sort of, a lot of it was just sort of defending yourself in a way, um, you know, because I suppose people were trying, you know, would, would try and pick on you, or try and find find a weakness. Yeah. 
No, that makes sense. I mean, James, we, we sort of said at the very start of this that you'd been having therapy for unresolved childhood trauma. How much of what you've just shared, you know, where you talked about school and, and you know, feeling unwanted at home and so on, how much of that was an ever-present before you started the therapy? How much were you aware of that in your sort of day-to-day life as a man in your late 20s, early 30s? How much were you kind of thinking, mm-hmm. this is this is what's holding me back, this is what's causing me to self-destruct and so on, because I want to talk about panic attacks and, and you know, nearly throwing mm-hmm. things away, etc. when you had massive success. We'll come on to that. But how much of that yeah. was were you aware of before you started talking about it and how much has kind of been unlocked since you've started having these conversations. I don't know. I'm, I'm calling them conversations. I don't know what it is. I don't know when you have what, what this therapy means, but, but please share. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, that's a good question. So I, um, I, I think I was aware of it to a certain extent because of the way that relationships or friendships tend to go for me. I think my trust issues were maybe other standards that I had, um, when it comes to trust, were were like maybe a little bit higher than anyone else around me or in in my life. Like if like for example, if one of my mates like chatted up one of my sisters, I'd have a really irrational reaction to it, stuff like that. Or like relationships never really went beyond two years for me because I think it, um, maybe I, I, I was intent too intense at times. Or because you know I suppose when when you when you're young and you feel like nobody is standing up for you. Uh, like you and even your parents, you know. It, uh, I suppose again, as an irrational thing for me, oh, my parents don't even want me. Even, even when there was, you know, there was lots of ways to um, to rationalise that whole thing. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of went to like, you know, nobody likes me, like or paranoia, or like everyone thinks I'm a, this or that. And um, and the, yeah, I guess the cognitive ther- the behavioural therapy helped me um, see. It taught me a ra- it taught me rational thinking. I, I wasn't exercising rational thinking. I did, but I didn't realize to what extent, um, and I didn't realize how how quickly uh, I would uh, my, my sort of predisposition was set to not trusting anyone. I guess yes, um, and, uh, and 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 immediately jump into they don't like me or they think I'm this or they think I'm that, um, and that was that you know that was. Um, breeding anxiety and um and just putting me uh, just at, at a disadvantage on a daily basis i, I suppose almost well, the perfect um, storm of being deeply confused and not really knowing who you are and, and where you are in the world by the sound of things yeah exactly that exactly that and so it it, it kind of a lot of things made sense like since i've moved to london which is obviously a sacrifice i had to make you know, Make it sound London's not a great place to be, but it's definitely not home for me. It's not where my friends and family are. Um, but uh, I've I've moved uh, every, every kind of this again this two year cycle. I was moving every couple of years to a different part of London just to because I didn't feel like I sort of was belonging anywhere. And then it became clear it's not really about where I am; it's about who I'm with um, or, or who I'm around, if you like. So. Um, yeah, I think just just the, that constant feeling of not being settled um, was again stemmed back to um, to childhood, I guess. Yes, I mean James, you've you've not said this as far as I can tell, and and I'm I'm going to ask a very personal question that you might you might just choose to ignore, which is absolutely fine. But in yeah. these in these dark times, you know, you talked about your anxiety, the feeling unwanted, and and and, and the sort of various different challenges around that. Did you ever feel yeah. suicidal? Did you ever feel like, well, nobody likes me. I, I'm not succeeding at anything. I keep getting chucked out of stuff. I might as well just end it. There's no point. 
Yeah, no, I have. I've, uh, sadly, I've hit that wall a couple of times um, within the last um, like ten years or so. Um, there's there's a point around 2015, 2014 where I'd lost my record deal and um, seemingly I was kind of done uh, professionally. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely spiraled at that point. And then there was a point actually. Um, at the beginning of 2020, uh, where I just didn't, I, I was, I would say I was numb. I didn't care whether I lived or died. And I, I was sort of like, I was sort of more like, I, I actually kind of wish I was, I wasn't here. I felt like, the, I, like I just had in my, I was in a really bad headspace. I, the industry didn't care about me. Uh, they don't, they don't want me to win no matter how good my music is or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like I, I'm, I'm just that guy that they don't want succeed and just uh, that's really really negative thought um thought processes and stuff so yeah i was um i would say i was at that point but i put it all in the in the album and you know just to just to sort of make something positive of this yeah i kind of made made a a project out of that whole thing i made made a body of work which is great and i got to the other side of it but yeah sadly i have i have been suicidal um and uh yeah I'm, i'm more than happy to talk about it just because I think it's important to raise awareness, and that a lot, of, a lot of young men feel that way. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Well, what what I find most remarkable about about that, James, and I'm sorry to be sort of all you know psychotherapist mm. on you. I have no counselling no, skills no. whatsoever. I'm I'm just a guy that asks questions and often dumb ones. Yeah. But, yeah. but you no, know what cool. I find most interesting? You say that you you know the the, the the darkest times, the suicidal times, were 2014 and 2020, and this is after. And and to our listeners and to me as well, that's taken me by surprise because, of course, this is after. You'd had vast success. This is after you became a household name. This is after, and again, making assumptions, presumably financially you weren't struggling. You know, yeah, you might have lost your record deal, but nonetheless, you know, we all know, and I'm putting this in the most glib of terms, there are certain songs in your back catalogue that if you didn't have a record deal, you could make a decent living of just, you know, singing for the rest of your life. Do you know what I mean? As in that's, you could have have survived that way. You didn't need new material. You didn't need a record deal. You you would have got by because you've got a great voice. You've got a strong back catalogue, just, you know, doing a few tours, singing for rich people, et cetera. Do you know what I mean? So to hear that you were, you were at your darkest, when you were in a position of prominence, financial, comfortable security, and so on, that's yeah. that. Despite what you've said about your childhood challenges, I think that's that's really surprising, but also very revealing about the industry and about how people talk about success and people just assume rich people, famous people, they must be happy, and that's yeah. so yeah. rarely the case. It is, I suppose, it is so rarely the case, and um, and I would say that. Uh, you know, it's it's hard not to sound narcissistic when you when you when you talk about these things. But like, you know, I, I guess that's because uh, you're sort of in this cycle of trying to get validation from people. I suppose you just like, you know, you're making you're making an album, and then you go out and you promote it for a year, and it's all about like buy my album, please, and buy my music. And it's like it's it's hard to get out of that cycle. And um, I don't know, um, yeah. For me, I, I vote since from a young age, it's always been the thing that, um, you know, me me getting validation for the music that I make has always been that sort of the most important thing to me. Um, and uh, and I suppose when, when I felt like that was, I was being blocked or whatever, and it wasn't, I was, you know, I looked at the landscape of the music industry, especially in the last few years, 
And I thought like, wow, like I'm never going to really reach the goal. Even though, like you said, I, I could be very happy with what I've achieved and the legacy that I, I, I you know, if I could, if I, if I was to, to die now, <laughs> touch wood, I don't. But uh, yeah, I'd, li- I'd, yeah, I'd leave a pretty decent legacy. I've, I've, I've done all right, but it's, I, I definitely haven't achieved what I set out to do. Um, you know, because um, I set myself pretty high standards, and um, yeah, and 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 it's yeah, I, supp- I suppose there was a realization back then in 2020, uh, or in 20, or, or even like the, this year, I guess, where, where I've sort of made a lot of peace with a few things. Um, it was, I, I guess, I realized when when everything stood, when the world stood still, and I wasn't able to kind of fight for this this goal. Um, I looked around my life and I was like, oh, where, you know, there's some fundamentals missing here. Where are the pillars that I can hold on to um, when things aren't going so well and, what, you know, when I'm not getting that success that, that I want? And um, and that was a kind of sobering place to be, I suppose, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. James, do you care what other people think? Because it sounds like it, it you really do. Um, I've got to a place where I don't care about what, I don't care as much, nowhere near as much about what people think about me as a human being, which has been very liberating because, um, you know, I, I look at a lot of my interviews and things like that, when, you know, when I look back, which I hadn't done previously, but obviously we were forced to do, to do some reflecting in 2020. And um, I definitely wasn't being myself. Um, I was trying to be, uh, but I think I was being, uh, there, was, there was, yeah, ego was maybe getting in the way too much at times. Whereas now I definitely feel like, you know, like the way I'm talking to you now, this is as authentic as it gets. I'm, I'm, I'm totally being myself. Um, and, uh, but yeah, in answer to your question, yeah, what people thought about me or how I looked used to be a thing. It's not so much anymore. My music, um, yeah, I think I, I definitely care about that. I suppose that, that, I guess that defines me in some ways or I feel like it does. Um, and um, yeah, I, I guess I'm pretty, precious about um the the yeah it, it's the thing that i think will we'll live on when i when i'm gone is the music you know yes yes well, although from what i can glean there are there are other plans on the horizon as well though james with acting and so on look uh, we, we're going to come back to things like the yeah. x factor and, and and other things like that but i, I want to talk to you about the new album because i think what you've been saying and the fact that you talked about how you, you've put a lot of this learning and so on into the new album is, is really important. So if you're comfortable, let's have a little mm. chat. There's a, there's a line in one of the songs. I've heard the album, of course. It's terrific. Congratulations. Yeah. There's a line in Take Thank It or you. Leave It on the new album, which I think is a, a real hook for everything you've just said. And, and you just say, mm. secretly, I'm desperate to stay in control. Yeah, yeah. Is that because you haven't had control for long long chapters of your life you've you've spiraled out of control yeah i think so de- definitely yeah that is again that's just a um yeah when i say the songwriting is, is authentic on this album i guess that's that's one of the line that that's indicative of, of that and um yeah it, it, yeah I, sp- I suppose it i suppose it is like i'm anyone that knows me in my personal life um you know or if you met me i'm um People always say to me, like, I'm, I'm very surprised. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah, you just, you, you surprise me. You're not what I thought you would be. Like, um, I'm quite a conscientious and, uh, if I may say so, I think I'm a pretty kind person and compassionate and, um, naive a lot of the time as well because I just sort of like, um, 
I, I make myself vulnerable to everyone because I think that that's just the best way to be. Um, and um, yeah, people, I guess, don't expect that from me. But but then I, I, I that that kind of when when you're that way inclined, I think that um, you leave you. You know, it, it takes a lot of energy, and uh, and uh, I'm also in the back of my head. I've got these demons that tell me like these people are going to take advantage of you. But I'm sort of I let the I let the um, the, the authenticity or the vulnerability uh, take the take the, the driver's seat. So I think I do walk around sometimes with a bit of a again a predisposition of like anxiety <laughs> or like um, yeah, just um, just just I'm I'm an, I'm an open book and uh, I can't remember what what my point was here, but I guess um, what I'm saying is is like. Yeah, I, I guess that line means that. Uh, yeah, sometimes I just I, I do just feel a bit out of control. I feel a bit like God. I wish I wish I um, I wish I knew where I was going, and I lead a life that doesn't really um, allow you that luxury. Um, and I, and I do look forward to a time where where everything does make sense a bit more, and um, I'm kind of on the right path and. Um, I don't know whether I've ever felt I've, I've ever felt like that since doing what I do as a profession. It's so unpredictable and it's so like just a hundred miles an hour, um, which is you know, um, yeah, it's what I signed up for. But it's also a bit of a my kryptonite as well. So yeah, it's um, I suppose I do a bit of a balancing act on a daily basis. Yeah, there's a trade-off, isn't there? Walking in front of an arena full of people screaming your name and singing all your songs, and then sacrificing your your life to be under the microscope continually. It's uh, yeah, it must be a massive headache and just a continual yeah. sort of seesaw of of right. Who am I being totally. today? Yeah, totally. And, and you know, like it's it's you know, everyone feels like this. And when it doesn't, when things don't pay off, you know, when you put the hours in and you put the real the hard graft in, it doesn't pay off. Sometimes it's like. You know why are we making these sacrifices? And it's very easy for anyone um, to to kind of spiral and and go down the wrong path. I suppose. Yes, I mean, I must say that's not unique to to your situation. It's not unique to show no, business. No. It's you know people, no, no. people do this in all walks of life. But but we're talking about you and your world, and that's you know that's what mm. we're focusing on right now. The, the album it's called yeah. "It'll All Make Sense in the End." Let's talk about how it began because at the very start of twenty twenty, you were having some serious challenges. You were having really quite arresting panic attacks and then you ended up in hospital yeah i did yeah i was i was on stage in madrid and i just felt really ill all of a sudden uh, and I, I did i had a panic attack while i was on stage and it was the weirdest feeling because um i'd never i'd never had um i'd never had an anxiety attack uh whilst being on stage that was always where i was i suppose felt like the most um secure or safe you know when I was performing um because I was channeling that sort of nervous energy maybe um but yeah I just started to feel really 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 ill and um yeah interesting it's interesting because they, they kind of like they, they say that childhood trauma like or it's, it would it had been described to me before as um like a little kid just sort of took it you know, the kid version of you like tugging at your sleeve saying like pay me some attention kind of thing like address me kind of thing um and uh it was almost like my inner child that sort of like made its way on the stage where i was like where previously it couldn't get to me and it's like right i've had enough now and it came and just sort of was like listen to me kind of thing um 
and I think whatever anxiety and stress and uh, like um, subconscious negative chat that was going on in my head at the time had manifested itself in like in some health issues, I guess. Um, because they say that, that it was a gallbladder infection I'd had basically, and and, and um, the next day I was rushed into hospital and had to have this emergency surgery because it had got to a point where if I didn't have it removed, um, I could have down the line could have could have it could have been fatal apparently. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a as bit of a shock to the system for me that that happened, and it made me made my mental health kind of suffer quite badly because I thought, oh wow. If it can, if, you know, if it can put me in hospital, then uh, I need to really address it. Um, and then I spent, I spent. It was at that point that I spent a little bit of time doing the hard work. Have you looked at it the other way though, James? Because of course you're you're sort of saying, "Oh, my mental health can do this to me." But actually, there is the other the other side of it, which is that that panic attack led mm. you to get the attention that revealed your gallbladder and so on. So in a, in a perverse way, that panic yeah. attack actually could have saved your life. It did. It. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was. It definitely. I definitely did look at the positives in that. And um, yeah, it was a. It was a blessing for sure. It was definitely a blessing. Um, and yeah, it's good. It's good that your mind does that. You know that your your body reacts to your mind rather, um, and lets you know, look, there's something there's something wrong here, and, and protects you uh, in a way. So yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was good. That was a mental night. I'd, I jumped off stage early, which I've never done in my life, and then I had to. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack before, but you just get this over like this adrenaline dump, and it's just like this over overwhelming feeling. And um, I had to. I was walking around Madrid for like four hours. It was um, like just trying to shake it off. It was um, it was rough. And then uh, and then the next morning, the, you know, I got really really sick. I mean, I think panic attacks are different for different people, but but for you, it's yeah, yeah. it's almost as if you're having a heart attack, or at least that's what that's what yeah. you mentally think is happening. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's certainly certainly how it is for me. Sure. You're listening to the Andy J podcast, and we really appreciate having you here with us. If you're enjoying the show, why not leave us a lovely review and perhaps five stars, and subscribe wherever you're listening, as it really does help. Podcast. Does it terrify you? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it's weird because I never, I never really feared death before. I had something to lose. I, know, I, I lived, I lived a lot of my life from being a teenager to, to my early twenties, like having absolutely no fear at all of death. It really didn't bother me. And then I kind of, I guess, I, I, I got my. I, I, I reached my dreams and stuff, you know, and then it was like, oh, sh- I've got so much to lose now. Like, I actually care about living. Um, and it was, uh, and I, I think that was that was part of it. Um, so, yeah, the thought of, like, and, and then I've got this, I've got this real irrational fear of having a heart attack. It's not as bad these days, but it, it was really bad at first. It was like, yeah, any palpitations I felt, I was, you know, <laughs> ringing ambulances and stuff and just, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty wild. And what are they saying to you when you're calling them? Are they saying to you, "Look, James, you're 33. You know, physically, yeah. you're all right. Have you just run up a mountain? Have you just had a massive dump of caffeine? Yeah. You're basically well, okay." I mean, is that is that what yeah. they're saying? Or, or, or what? It's, yeah, it's been a while since I've done that. It was more it was more in the early days. To be fair, uh, until I was about 28, 29, I stopped kind of doing. About 28, I stopped doing that. 
Um, and and to and to be fair, I used to smoke. Uh, I used to self medicate a lot um, with with you know weed and stuff like that, which is not good for uh, if you if you if you've got those health anxieties. It's you know it can be can exacerbate those definitely. I, I believe so anyway. Um, so I don't I don't again and, and again like the uh, I think a bit more rationally these days. But yeah, they they would they'd come out and do ECGs and be like. There's nothing wrong with you. You're absolutely fine. I'm like, well, how how could I how could I possibly be all right? Uh, and uh, yeah, it was, yeah, just irrational thinking, just um, catastrophizing was what I was doing. Do you have people around you, James? Because it's you know we we sort of we've seen recently the big stories about Britney Spears. You know the the sort of control that she'd been under and and the, the sort of challenging pressures that she's had. But she effectively had people doing thinking for her. You know whether that's right or wrong. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about here. She had a team around her who were monitoring literally yeah. everything. Do you have people around you that just keep you balanced? That just keep you kind of. And I, and I mean politely, people on the payroll. Do you know what I mean? Whose job it yeah. is to make sure you're balanced. It's it's in their interest that you can perform, mm. that you can deliver, that you can write. So they're there just mm. checking on you. You're taking the right vitamins. You're doing the right exercise. You're in the right headspace. You're talking to the right people. You're ignoring certain things. You're putting your phone down mm. from social media, etc. Have you got people that yeah. do that, or are you alone? Um, well, what I would say is, for for a large part of my career, I have been alone. And, uh, and that was, you know, that's been my own, uh, I, I created, I've created that environment myself. Um, because, because like I said before, I, um, I moved, I moved down South where, you know, it, it was, that's just kind of the sacrifice that I made, um, for, for, for my career and stuff. And, and, um, I, ha- you know, for a long time, I hadn't really sort of built a, uh, a social life here it was all about my job and stuff so when I'd go home on a night sometimes I was by myself or after a large part of my career I spent I spent it being kind of isolated um it's not till the last it wasn't until the last few years where I saw really saw the value in getting home up north a bit more and being around my friends so much so to the point where I'm actually moving back up north um because I'm just so much better I, I come from such a better place when I'm when I'm when I'm near my when I'm in my roots, if if you like. So, um, no. In, in answer to your question, I, I I I haven't had a lot of people around for a large part of my career, and um, I sort of figured out on my own that that was how unhealthy that was. Um, you know, when I was on the road with my my touring family and and my band, who were like my brothers and stuff, like everything was cool. But then it was the it was those moments when, you know, I was back in a flat in London or whatever that and. Um, or just or just hanging out in my relationship and not having anything else really outside of that. that um, yeah, I think that it wasn't it wasn't a healthy place to be. Um, but I I'm I'm I think for myself and uh, maybe maybe yeah I think that's been the problem. It's it's been uh, I didn't have anyone around me protecting me from myself for a large part of my career. Um, but I definitely do now. Um, I've definitely got much more support in place now and 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 i really and i, I kind of got there by myself it's not the right way to do it i would definitely encourage anyone else getting into to the music industry or going through a process like the x factor or any reality tv to make sure that you've got people around you and positive energy around you um because it, yeah it, it's um yeah it's, it's so important yes. so important that you have that yes it's, and you can get very lost in your own head and you can get very sort of yeah. You can be deceived by success, can't you? 
Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt, you can definitely believe you're on hype or you can be just very down on yourself like I was. I, you know, I beat myself up a lot. Um, I didn't have, you know, I guess I guess when you've got people around you, they can they can kind of lift you up and stuff. And um, yeah, I, I suppose I was trying to do that myself. And that, and, it go, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier where, you know, I, I sort of ended up being a bit of a lone wolf and kind of trying to do things on my own to prove that I didn't need anyone in a way. Well, you've um, done that twice professionally. You know, you've had two standout yeah. moments professionally that sort of almost that, I can understand that becomes your default. You know, winning, winning X Factor 2012 yeah. was, was colossal. Changed your world. Massive, massive thing. I remember you had a, you had a, 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 a sing-out battle with the favourite and then, and then that was it. You just kind of cruised it from that point. You know what I mean? That's, mm. that's my memory of it. You, you'll have a completely yeah. different version of it. Yeah, I guess, so. no, I, guess, I guess that was, you know, roughly the thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. But then, but then like so. you say, you hit the self-destruct button. You know, you, you sort of did everything you could to rebel against that success. You got dropped by the record label. You were in hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of debt on your own. Just you. You write, yeah. say you won't let go. And that yeah. changed everything. Again, do you see what I mean? That It, it seems yeah. just, just looking at your timeline for success, yeah. that's your second moment where just you all on your own beat the odds again. You won X Factor, it transformed you, it rocketed you into stardom. You then write yeah. Say You Won't Let Go, which has been you know, listened to by more people than anyone could ever count. It's, it, I mean, it must be intimidating how successful that song has been. But nonetheless, you did that alone. That had everyone clamouring to get you back again. You know, cows on the phone and so on. Come on, James, I didn't mean what I said. I want you back. I love you. You can, you can <laughs> drink as much as you want yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So you're, you've yeah. learnt that doing this alone, you can do it. Mm. Do you see what I mean? I can understand yeah. why your default is I can do it on my own because you have done twice to colossal success. Yeah, yeah. Not for sure, yeah. That's, um, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think, look, there's, there's, there's definitely, um, there's definitely pros and cons to being that type of person. I mean, what do they, what do they call it? Like an Amiga or, or whatever. I think that I, I relate to that. Like, it's, it's, you know, someone who, who just does, de- you know, does um, deal with things better on their own. But I think it's important. Just, I think it, it was all about finding a balance, you know, like anything, you know, in life, um, you know, too much of anything is, is, is bad. It's toxic. Um, and being on your own too much certainly isn't, isn't a good thing. But I am someone that needs to lock themselves away and have headspace because I, because I've you know I've got a messy head. That's just the way I am. It's uh, you know like I said before, a bit of ADHD, a bit of uh, you know anxiety and things like that. And when there's too much going on around me or there's too many people around me all the time, it's just not it's not the one. You know my attention span and stuff, my focus is, suffers. Um, so um, yeah, again, it's, I think it's just finding the balance. But I definitely spent too long trying to trying to fight on my own. Or, or and and fight is probably the key word. It's like that was. And my mum says to me all the time, like you, you know, you use that that kind of language a lot, where you like, I was fighting for this and fighting for that. Why don't you just take the fight out of it? Um, I'm like, yeah, you're right. There is too much of that, but also. Like for me, without adversity, there's no progression, in, in my opinion, and and that's just that's 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 what makes me tick. You know, I need I need challenges, I need I need adversity and and obstacles to overcome. Otherwise, um, I, I don't feel inspired. Um, right, right, yeah, it becomes it so, becomes too easy if you just sit back and let yourself be happy, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's also a dangerous place to be. For me, you know, I can't speak for anyone else, but uh, yeah, it's a dangerous place for. 
for, for me to be, um, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's when I do kind of get to those darker places and have those suicidal tendencies, I guess, um, when I, when I don't have that direction in life. So it was from one of these dark places. You talked about one of those being in 2020, just last year. And it's hard to believe that it's just last year, isn't it? With the pandemic and everything, time has changed. I think, you know, our, our perception of a year or six months or whatever is just so distorted now. But nonetheless, it, it was the start of last year before the world changed. And it was from that and your spell in hospital and, and, the, and the gallstones, etc., the gallbladder, other, you know, all of that led you to write this album. It'll all make sense in the end, which... Yeah. From, I mean, you you can listen to it. There's so much, so much going on musically. It's an absolute joy. But if you focus just on the lyrics, for example, it is effectively lessons from your life to your past. It's your 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 grown up self talking to your younger self. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. There's definitely a theme of that going through it. There's you know your um the odd uh, kind of love song, which I hope gives the the album as a whole and the journey a, a sense of hope um, and, uh, and and kind of forces people to focus on on that that aspect of things um, but then yeah it definitely touches on the darker stuff songs like Wolves or take, and Take It or Leave It like you mentioned where there's kind of some confessional moments in there um, you know and, and the mantra of it'll all make sense in the end is, is something that um, I would tell my younger self uh, because I think that's been the catalyst for so many of my mistakes is trying to control things that are out of my control. Ultimately, um, they exist in, the, you know, things that exist in the future that I can't even anticipate. And, and then looking back, which uh, obviously only uh, serves to, uh, yeah, it, when you look back, what are they, you know, you, or you, you, look, you feel things like guilt, don't you? And you feel... Um, yeah, you feel regret and shame, uh, and, and so like it's hard to live there. It, the only place for me that that I, I can uh, live and thrive is in the moment, uh, and so that's how I live my life. I, I live day to day, and uh, I control the things that I can control. And um, I think while, when writing this body of work, that was sort of um, that was a lot of that kind of thinking was coming out in the music, and I was trying to sort of intertwine that in, in some of the stories and the songs. Yeah, it's 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 a very powerful listen, and, and you're absolutely right. There's no future in the past. I mean, goodness, I can mine my own childhood and my well, not my childhood, but my my youth, having a few quid in my pocket and being a complete fool. Yeah, I mean, we could. I think we can all do that. Everyone that's that's had a paycheck and 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 just gone a bit mad with it can um, can completely relate to what you're talking about. But th- there is one yeah. song on there, James, which is uh, I, I was I was trying to figure it out. It's called Emily. It's a, it's a song to your future daughter, but the but yeah. to the best of my knowledge, your girlfriend isn't pregnant or anything like that. This was just and certainly wasn't when this song was written. This is just you kind of projecting into sort of future fatherhood. Is is that right? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, to be to be honest, I I, I suppose when I, when it first came out, I sort of built, sort of build it as that. But um, I I, I spoke to. Uh, my partner and at the time uh there was it was a realistic prospect she was pregnant and sadly uh it didn't work out and um it wasn't far in the practice it was a couple of months and and she she had an ectopic uh pregnancy so she lost the 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 child and and that was it was 
but I, I didn't really want to talk about it. But she actually said, I think it's really important that you do just because there's such there's so little information, and 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 I would echo that actually. I, I remember at the time, like you're like, what? So you got to wait like 14 weeks or whatever? Is it like eight weeks or something before you can even celebrate this? And um, I'd, I'd I was writing songs about it, so far. I was like, I'm going to be a dad, and I was thinking about it having all the sort of hopes and fears that anyone would, would have when, when uh, you know, being faced with have a, having a child. And sadly, it didn't work out. And so, but the song was so special to us and we felt like it was um, one, one of the strongest songs on the record. And, my, and the record label were like, we just would think we, you should release this song. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, to talk about, my, you know, to say this is a song to my future child, which I still would call my child Emily, um, which kind of yeah made sense to to put it out like that, but yeah, you know, sadly it was it was it was uh, I was having a child, so um, yeah, I guess it probably is a bit weird to people when they hear it like what he doesn't have a kid and talking about that, but yeah, I did yeah. Um, well, I, th- I mean, look, I mean, just my reaction to that, James, for what it's worth, I thought I think it's a lovely song, and I I thought the idea yeah. of you writing to a future child was was lovely, but hearing what you've gone through, yeah. you know, you, you have my 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 greatest sympathy i've experienced that myself with my wife and it yeah. is it is yeah. you're right it is it is not spoken about it's swept under the carpet no. and it and yeah. actually it's a it's a really horrible horrible thing to go through for for the man as well yeah. as for the woman i realize for the woman it's a it's an entirely physical thing as, as well as mental you know the, the bloke doesn't yeah. have any physical side effects but mentally you yeah. are it is a horrible and desperately sad thing to go through especially if this was your first uh, i have three children now which i'm very 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 blessed by but it doesn't. It doesn't take the, that pain away. It doesn't take that drama away, and it doesn't no. take the sadness away. That that is that is. You're all always aware of it. It's always there. I don't know if you have the same thing, but I'm constantly aware of it and constantly thinking about what could have been and who they would have yeah. been and and how we would have been. You know. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like you said, the um, what the what the woman goes through physically, uh, like the shame and stuff. You know, it's 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 interesting. Um, and and yeah, just the fact there's not a lot of you know not a lot of information out there. I think it's um it was a scary it's a scary place to be. And as the man, you, you just want to be uh, there for them. You know, you just want to kind of you sort of put your own um, you put your own sort of sadness aside for you yeah. know at, at the yeah. time. And it's not about you, just, absolutely. It's just not about it's just not about you. And and uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a sad time. But you know, we we moved forward and. Hopefully, there's um, there's more there's blessings to come in the future. Will you try again? Yeah, I'm definitely interested in being a, being a dad. Yeah, you know, sadly that situation didn't work out, but you know, this you know, it'll all make sense in the end. Doesn't it? That's it. That's <laughs> uh, it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, man. It'll, that's it'll, your version we'll, of everything happens for a reason, but sometimes everything we, happens. Yeah. Sometimes it takes decades to work out what the reason was, but yeah. Yeah, no, exactly I, I can understand right. that, um, James. We've we've sort of glossed over the sort of X Factor time, and I and I'm keen for us to have a bit of a laugh as well because we've had such a deep chat, and I and I really do appreciate your candor and your honesty and and the incredible things that you're sharing. But I'd also yeah, like no, to have a bit of a laugh because I know you've you know there's there's a really fun side to you as well. You know, anyone listening to this is going to be yeah. like, whoa, well, he's a bit gloomy, isn't he? Well, no, he's yeah. just he's just real and he's lived his life, and and that's and yeah. it is what it is. 
So there's a couple of things. Let's quickly touch on X Factor. Uh, I, uh-huh. I think the fun ones for me that I want to talk to you about is I think I heard you on the True Geordie podca- podcast where you talk, <laughs> where you described Simon Cowell as, as, as slightly feminine. <laughs> that, that just tickled me. I don't know if you stand by yeah. that or if you'd like to explain that. To, well, no, that was, uh, he, that was him. He described him as feminine. And I was sort of saying, I think that that's just it's it's uh, like his, the class or, or his background that he comes from. He's very he's quite you know he's he's sort of uh, yeah he's just short he's showbiz and that's yeah no he it, it was actually um, Brian who who said like he's feminine kind of thing and and I was like yeah I didn't I didn't see it like that I saw it as as him just being like uh, yeah I mean I, when I when I when I was on X Factor there's a lot of a lot of people around in, in that uh, industry that um, were uh, flamboyant, I guess. Or, it's a good or, word. Or camp. That's a great yeah. word. Yeah, camp camp yeah. is a sort of follow-up to it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah camp, which is, which is, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. One of my best friends, Rylan, is uh, is uh, the most camp guy you could ever meet in your life. I absolutely, absolutely adore him. But I think that, yeah, I mean, and there's, it's also a north, I think there's a bit of a north-south divide in that sense as well. But myself and Brian, the true Geordie, come from working class northeast, and like where all the blokes are, are very macho and like, you know, you, you know, uh, we grew up in a, in a culture where like, you know, if you didn't like football, you were gay, basically. You yeah. know, that that's that was the stupid stereotypes that, that we grew up around. No, so, I can uh, understand. I hail from the northeast myself, so I, I completely align with yeah, what exactly. you're talking about. I'm a diehard yeah. Newcastle United fan. So you're uh, not yeah, you're, well, you're Middlesbrough, aren't you? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. We're not we're not having as much fun as you lot are at the minute. I mean, <laughs> no, I, mean that's if you stay that's if you stay in the Premier League I'm well, yeah, let's <laughs> see. Let's, I have faith in Eddie Howe. You've just you've just got Chris Wilder, haven't you? So I mean things should we be have, yeah. things should be pretty exciting for you now. He's a seriously talented, seriously great coach, yeah. so I reckon good things. He is a good guy. Him. I played football with Chris Wilder the other week. I wonder if he knew actually that he's gonna be <laughs> the borough boss at the time when he was he was trying not to uh, let slip. You'll have to tell right, yeah. hang on, right, listen, we have dropped some big names, right? So come on, yeah. let's let's own it, right? You're the man with the millions of, of, of album sales, the billions of listens. <laughs> You've just dropped Ryland down as one of your best mates. You played football with Chris Wilder. Let's name drop some more. <laughs> come on. Celebrity conquests. Who's famous that you have you slept with Rita Aurora? I'm just diving in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can't I can't I couldn't possibly say. <laughs> a, gentleman, a gentleman never a gentleman doesn't kiss and tell. <laughs> It's not a no. I'll take it. <laughs> but listen, this is what I wanted to ask you about, James, because I, I've been thinking about this quite a lot. And I've been thinking about you and your life and your world. And this is going to lead to a slightly fun thing. Don't worry. Yeah. For me, it strikes me that achievements to you don't equal fulfillment. Do you know what I mean? Despite what you've done, despite yeah. your success, it hasn't it hasn't landed. It hasn't made you feel happy, which is something that I, I mentioned earlier to our listeners must be like, come on, you've got all this security. You've got all these people screaming your name. Everyone loves what you're doing. La, 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 la. Can't that yeah. make you happy? But it doesn't for whatever reason. And there's, you know, well, on, well yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head with it. Like it, fulfillment is, is, you know, is means that it's all encompassing or, or it's sort of like um, an, an all round sense of, uh, fulfillment, doesn't it? You know, the the, the adoration and the uh, the love and the support that I receive from fans, uh, it, it it definitely goes a long way for sure. You know, when I do gigs and I see people singing songs back to me, and the people that I meet that tell me that I've inspired them or uh, that they've played my music at their weddings and all that stuff, yeah, that is 
that is massive and it goes it goes a long way to fulfilling me. But as as we all know, there's there's a lot of uh, aspects to being a human being and the human experience and like love and all that sort of stuff and loving yourself and whatever. You know, that's that's a, a difficult thing to to kind of. Um, to sort of figure out, so yeah, I mean, what, all the stuff we've been talking about today, I, I suppose ultimately it just it just boils down to me, uh, you know, not being content within myself, and that's something that I've been trying to figure out, and you know that that again goes back to childhood and insecurities and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, in answer to your question, I, I'm just I'm just I'm just um, I'm imperfect, you know. I'm someone, and, and I'm and I'm okay with it. It's like it, it's just, you know, I'm not um, I'm not quite there yet, but I, I'll get there. And um, yeah, I'm just glad I'm not. I don't live a life where I'm riddled with anxiety and having calling ambulances anymore. And I'm not. I'm, I'm not like my life isn't ruled by being an addict and stuff like that. So yes. there's lots to be thankful for, and uh, I'm very very grateful for where I am in life. And by no means, you know, I, I, I talk about all this stuff with you and. and you know, uh, and I know, I know, like people would rather. Uh, I, I mean, me, I, like in my personal life, like you said, I'm a silly goose. Like I, I joke around all day long when I get on the phone and do a lot of these interviews. And we're talking about mental health. You know, it's a, it, it can be a drag for me as well. It could be I triggering. Bet. Yeah, I bet. And, and I know, yeah. I, and I know that I know that it's not to a lot of people. It's probably quite boring. And it, may, it you know, I, I have to show a side of me that is quite dull. And people are going to be like, "Fuck, bloody hell, James Arthur's a bit dull, and he but." I, you know what? I, I'm I'm cool with it because I'm here. I'm not here to be uh, to be lo- loved and adored for my personality. I know the people in my personal life know who I am. I'm uh, I'm doing this to raise awareness and and to help people because I know what it's like to be rock bottom and feel like you've got absolutely no one. And if my voice can in some way help some kid or or, or someone who's feeling like that, then you know I. I I, I'm happy not being as popular as Ed Sheeran or, or whoever else who tells loads of funny anecdotes and stuff like that. That just ain't me. That's not my place, you know, or, or, or certainly not in the public eye anyway. Maybe when I get to my, you know, later on in my career and uh, people, you know, don't want to talk about the mental health stuff so much, then I can I can um, show my, my personality or my true character a bit more. But I'm, I'm fine, you know, uh, doing this for now. You're a top man, James. I think I think where you're at is, is really strong. However, I do have a suggestion for you. And based on yeah. this fun side to your character, I have a challenge. Yeah. I was going to call it a suggestion, but it's now a challenge. And I hope you're up for it. It's going to require yeah. quite a lot of effort on your part. However, bear with me. Yeah. Okay. You know J.K. Rowling, who wrote uh, the Harry Potter books, amongst other things? Of course. Yeah, yeah. And she decided at one point, she decided that she wanted to see if her writing was strong enough, if people weren't just buying into her stuff because of her name, J.K. Rowling, right? So she, she had yeah. a pen name, she wrote as someone else, and the book did really well, and then she came out and went, oh, it was really me. And I know that you have some heroes like David Bowie and of Freddie Mercury and so on. And then I, would, uh-huh. I, I got to thinking, what could James do that would change his narrative completely? And I started thinking, well, maybe you need a stage name. But actually, here's my suggestion. I challenge you to release a song, not as James Arthur, but with a a ridiculous stage name. Because I've been thinking about stage names. You're Sting, you're Bono, you're Prince. They're basically (laughs) ridiculous names, right? So I've come up with a ridiculous name for you. And I challenge you to release a song as Savlon Fandango. (laughs) Do you know what? I'll I'll do it. It sounds like... (laughs) Savlon Fandango, so yeah, that is uh, 
It sounds like a porn star name, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> I, I was literally thinking about ridiculous names yesterday. I was like, what is the most daft name I can come up with that people will think is a pop star? Savlon Fandango. Because yeah. you're, Savlon. what is that? Because there are some ridiculous band names out there now as well. And I don't know yeah. what, I don't know what the song's going to be. That's all up to you. But I think yeah. the, the proof is in the pudding, right? And if, if you can get a top 10 as Savlon Fandango, don't tell anyone that it's James yeah. Arthur, and <laughs> then you can reveal it. I think that changes your whole world. I'm, da- I'm down for it. Although anyone <laughs> listening to this will, will know that it's me. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are going to listen to this. But yeah, I mean, I, I do love the idea. There was for a, a little while ago, me and uh, one of my, my bandmates, we were talking about doing a little side project. I do think, I do think just having a name that's not yourself just automatically adds more credibility to what you're doing. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of solo artists now, like you know, Years and Years, for example, or Bastille, they're just yeah. essentially they're solo artists. Um, yeah, well, you, you know, yeah. you could look at the White Stripes or, you you know, there's, yeah. I mean, there's so many out there that have done it as individuals and the Broken Bells and so on, you know, that, that then go on yeah. and do side projects and so on. But yeah, I just feel yeah. there's, I feel there's a brand Savlon Fandango that's, it could be, yeah. could be a big smash hit for you. I mean, it's got definitely got a ring to it. It's definitely got a ring to it. <laughs> uh, I'm um, up for the challenge. <laughs> Do you know? I think you actually are, which I'm, which I'm excited by. <laughs> I really hope you do it. And yes, I, I am. I am. We have put it out on a public forum, but these can yeah. just be these. The, the people listening to this, they'll just be part of the. You know, they're part of it. They'll, be the, journey, they'll be the first yeah. first people to, t- to get the song. There'll be plenty that haven't. Worldwide, there'll be plenty of people that have never heard of Savlon Fandango that don't connect him with you, and then yeah. you're away. Savlon Fandango. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, how do you come up with that one, then? How, how did that come about? Well... Savlon. Savlon. <laughs> Is it Savlon? Is it Savlon a type of... Yeah. Like, is it like a, an ulcer cream or something? It's, no, it's, it's if you cut yourself or whatever. It's really good for little ones. If, you, if they, uh, if they yeah. scrape their arm or whatever, you just whack some Savlon on it and it's like, in a, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cleans up the wound. It makes everything better. Do you see what I mean? This lovely. is where I'm, I've put lovely. some thought into it. It makes everything better. And then the Fandango, well, that was just channeling Freddie Mercury because I know, you, I mean, who doesn't yeah. think he's the ultimate showman? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's, he's a legend, yeah. I love, it. I love that you've put thought into this. It's brilliant. I mean, I was surprised. I, I, I was wrestling with myself whether to bring it up. And then I just like, yeah, no, if I don't ask you, you'll never do it. If I mention it, there's a slight chance that Savlon Fandango <laughs> could become a thing. And then I was there at the start. And all I ask is that I can hear the song before you put it out to the public. That's, that's it. Oh, without a doubt, you've earned that right now. You've, you've got shares in the name. But uh, <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely do want to put some, some music out in there. Yeah, under different like pseudonyms or whatever, for sure. Definitely. Brilliant. Well, it all starts with Savlon. I mean, you know. Yeah, it does, yeah. Big Sav. (laughs) So, look, obviously, the fourth album is here. It's pulling up trees already. I mean, you know, it's only been out a short while and it's already... I mean, you must be elated because I'm guessing you track these things almost minute by minute when they go out, do they? Yeah, I I do. Yeah, I do have a tendency to do that. Um, What's cool is now Spotify have got like this artist app, so I can see like how how many streams, how many people are listening to the songs. You get loads of cool analytics on it. So um, yeah, the album's only been out a couple of days, and it's already amassed over a hundred million streams, which is just insane. It's just wicked. Uh, So yeah, it's exciting to see what it can do. I mean, I've dropped an album the same blooming week as ABBA. 
who haven't released <laughs> an album for a uh, hundred years. So like their pre-sales was absolutely wild. So it's good. It's cool just to be in the mix. And obviously Ed Sheeran's out right now. So yeah, I think I'm going to have another top five album, which is great. I think we'll probably end up at number three the first week and then who knows uh, where we'll go after that. But it's kind of it's kind of reassuring to know that if I'd have dropped my album any other week, I'd have probably had a number one record. But um, my, my management and label did, they did warn me about this, but I was like, nah, let me just be in the mix. I just yeah. you know, let me be in the mix with Abba and, 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 and Ed and, and all them guys and Diana Ross, Radiohead, some massive records at the yes. minute. It's, so it's yeah. cool just to sort of be in the mix even parcels you might not have even heard of parcels but they've had an album out this week as well so and yeah know, i think they're very cool so yeah you, you're in you're in great company what a cool place cool. to be yeah no it's quite quality yeah summer walkers yeah there's loads of great and there's the stripped back royal albert hall gig as well which i think is going to be glorious is that have you pre-recorded that is that right um yeah we have we have i don't know whether we should say that uh but yeah um yeah, it's been pre-recorded. Obviously, it's been pre-recorded. I think it's, I think it's pretty obvious from like video yeah, clips and obvious. so on, you know, and it's, and it's streamed yeah. as well. Right? But what a venue, huh? I mean, it's, there's magic in that hall, isn't there? Oh, the, yeah, absolutely. The uh, the venue's amazing. I've, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of this this thing. I think it's going to be class. I really do. I think it's going to sound amazing because uh, a lot of these songs on the album are obviously very like, uh, there's a lot of production going on. Uh, uh, the there's a lot of like you know raging guitars and stuff, and we strip them back, and uh, they just sound really cool. Uh, it, it's it's kind of cool to see. It's sort of a test of the songwriting, isn't it? When when you can just break a song down on a on a guitar and it and it holds up. So uh, there's some really nice moments in this uh, in this live stream. It's on the 14th of November. A little plug there, um, and you can get tickets on momenthouse.com. There you go. There you go. Oh, yeah. I I would recommend it. I'd love to have actually been there, you know, because I'm guessing the audience was empty. It was just you and the guitar and that. Oh, I yeah. Bet, I bet that was incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was myself. There's a couple of couple of my mates uh, playing uh, some some uh, piano and things like that. So it's, yeah, it's very acoustic, very stripped back, and and the venue just yeah, Uncle Alba definitely added added some some spice to it. Too right, amazing, amazing, um, James. I could chat to you forever. You've been you've been such an open book, and I and I really appreciate that. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm mindful oh, that we, we hadn't met prior to today, and it's it's really cool of you to be so open with me. Thank you. Uh, oh, it's my pleasure. There's so much I want to talk to you about, so I hope we get another chance to chat again because um, you know, there's there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot still to say. Yeah, there there is. Yeah, there is. But um, yeah, like you say, it's been. It's been lovely talking to you, mate. Yeah, you're, uh, you're good to chat to, um, and hopefully we've, we've uh, if nothing else, we've helped to help some people by by um, touching on some of those sensitive subjects today. I think we've done two things, James. We've we've helped a lot of people with your honesty about the, the things you've experienced and the journey you've had, and your openness. I think will and does change the change the narrative for an awful lot of people. So that's really yeah. important. And of course, the other thing is we have. We have created Savlon Fandango, which we know exactly. is going to be the greatest success in the world. Wouldn't that Maybe be nuts? If you can outsell <laughs> yourself with, with Savlon, that would just uh, be sensational. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Savlon's gone straight to the top, isn't he? 
I am going to text you to remind you this before you block my number. I'm, I'm going to text you. <laughs> I'm going to text you Savalon Fandango just so that it's there, so that you can think back and go. Actually, yeah, yeah, maybe I should. Maybe I'm I already, should. I'm already thinking about styling for Savalon and the new, you know, what what the, what the, the genre is going to be. Is it? I'm getting a little bit of a sort of like Mediterranean vibe from him, so Ooh. you know maybe some some spoons and triangles and things like that could be involved. Definitely some maracas needed and, and maracas. Mar- that's the one. Very yeah. flamboyant guitar, acoustic guitar. I don't know. Look, you're the oh, musician. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nylon strings, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to see Probably. where you go with it. Amazing, James. What a joy! Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you for company. Have an amazing day and and look. Good luck with it all. Uh, you know, it's it's what a place yeah. to be. Thanks, mate. Honestly, good chat to you. I'll speak to you shortly. I look forward to it. Take care, man. Thank you. All right, bro. See you later. See bye. Bye bye. Andy J podcast. What a guy. What a guy. I really, really, really enjoyed talking to James, and I sincerely hope that he does activate Savlon Fandango. That would be. <laughs> that would be just absolutely magnificent. If Savlon Fandango becomes a thing. Well, well, we've all got to get behind it, right? Uh, listen, thank you so much for your company today. Thank you for choosing the Andy J podcast. We have some huge guests on the way. And if you haven't checked out our incredible back catalogue, whatever it is you're looking for, whether you're looking for just celebrity conversations with big names, we've got that. Whether you're looking for big, big stars sharing their challenges with a mental health lean, with advice and guidance and how to get through the dark times, we've got that in droves as well with so many of our stars, people like Matt Haig, just last week's guest, and Ruby Wax previously, who have spoken so candidly about things, to people like Celia Imray and Katie Mellower and Janet Devlin and Suzanne Shaw, and many, many more who have shared their challenges. Just take a look, and if you just want some big stars, well, how about Liam Neeson, or Olivia Coleman, or David Baddiel, or Jeremy Clarkson, twice, or James May, or James Martin, twice, or Richard Hammond, and so on, and so on, and so on. We've got some big, 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 big stars waiting for you. So do check it out. Have a great week. Tell your friends about the show. Follow the show, please. Maybe if you could tag us on social media. I love the messages I get sent week in, week out from so many of you. I really do appreciate your feedback. And it's it's valued so highly because it's a bit lonely being here alone with a mic and getting a phone number and being told just to call someone. But we do it and it's great. And some of the results really amaze me. And then your feedback, your reactions to these chats when you share them with me is just astonishing and always appreciated. So thank you, go well, be kind, make someone smile and have an excellent happy week. The Andy J Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.